Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Isn't that great? Isn't it wonderful to hear the scripture read? Did you know that uh, Christians have been doing that since the very beginning? This is what would have happened in that day, that someone would have brought that letter from Paul and read in front of the the gathered community of faith his letter. So we're going to do that each week. uh, We won't necessarily read the entire chapter, but we'll read a good section of of what we're looking at each week. Is that okay? I think that's great. I love it. It's great. So As you know, we are starting a new series in the book of Galatians, and I love this book, and I think it's so needed for us today. There's so many things that we have to learn from this book. In fact, there's more than we can get to each week, and so uh, another shameless plug for the uh, fact of that we are creating other resources around each of our teachings each week. This is part of our first step of our discipleship pathway, which is biblical teaching. We want to engage in the scripture um, in multiple ways throughout the week, so we uh, want to encourage you to keep going to our website and look at the devotions, listen to the podcasts, and look at those further resources to help dive into the book each week. So let me begin by asking you this question. Have you ever watched a movie where it just starts with a bang? It doesn't like ease you into it, right? You just, it just, the music is intense right from the opening credit and and it just starts. It's like, oh wow. For me, I'm like, I'm in. This is fun. You know, I love that kind of quick start. And I don't want to be too hyperbolic here, but Galatians kind of starts that way. (laughs) Paul, uh, it's pretty intense right from the beginning. So get out the popcorn, get ready, because the music is already intense. And from the beginning of Galatians, you know something is going on. And uh, it's, it's a great introduction, and um, I can't wait to get into it. So I'd like to, what I'd like to do today as we just dive into the book of Galatians is I'm going to put my teaching hat on and I want to share a little bit of the context about what's happening because I, and then we're going to look at just one really key lesson that I think highlights the lesson of Galatians if, if, uh, if you can sum up just kind of one major lesson. And I'd like to give that to you right now, which isn't necessarily something you're supposed to do when you're teaching, is give the point right away. But I want to give the point right away because I, I, I want us to understand this in comparison to what is happening and what we're facing in, or what the people of Galatians are facing. Here's the point for us to understand today. We're going to hear this multiple times, so I hope it just drives into your heart and your mind. That we are rescued from the things that enslave us by a God of unimaginable grace and unconditional love. Amen? (laughs) This is one of the primary lessons of the book of Galatians. And even though Galatians starts with some intensity, it's such a hope-filled book. Because Paul, he'll continue to emphasize for his readers and for you and me that his apostleship is authentic And the gospel that he's announced is complete and for everyone. And I'm so thankful for that. Pastor Holly just read it, but Galatians starts like this. This letter is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. All the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the churches in Galatia. May God, may God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, give you grace and peace. Jesus gave his life for our sins just as God, our Father, planned in order to rescue us from this 
evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. What a start to that letter, right? (laughs) And I love what we read in verse 4, where it says, Jesus gave his life for our sins just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. Scholars believe that this is probably one of the earliest written statements of the significance of Jesus' death and resurrection. Isn't that incredible? We read that here in chapter four and right away it helps us understand that something new has started in and through Jesus and Paul is inviting everyone, which we'll see causes some problems, to that reality. In Jesus, we see the inauguration of a new reality, the beginning of a new kingdom, an invitation into a new way of life. And it's not just one uh, that is to come someday in the future. What's really amazing is that as Paul writes the statement, it's present. It's a present reality. Here and now, the invitation is to God's kingdom today. That's what Paul is writing to the Galatians, and that is what we find here as well. The gospel of Jesus Christ brings freedom for our lives and purpose as we find faith in Jesus. That is not for some future day, it is for us right now, right here. That's so powerful. So I hope you realize that as you're sitting here, as you're sitting at home joining us online. If you've not heard this before, this is good news, amen? So Jesus' death and resurrection accomplished essentially a new exodus, a rescue plan that began a new and present reality. And this time, it's not just for the Jewish people of old, but it's for all people through all time. The doors are flung open and the invitation is for everyone. The question for Paul's readers as they hear Galatians and for you and me uh, is, do we see that? We are rescued from the things that enslave us by a God of unimaginable grace and unconditional love. Sorry, I'm moved by that because I've experienced that reality. Part of what Paul is doing, as we'll see right from the beginning, is he starts to defend himself and his message as authentically from the Lord. You see, what we find is in Acts 13 and 14, Paul on a missionary journey had come and preached the gospel in this part of the world, in this part of Galatia. And people had heard the gospel and they responded to the Lord like many of us have. The church started and then Paul left and continued on his missionary journey. And what happens is it seems that there are some problems for the church in Galatia after Paul leaves influences that were pressuring these new believers to to return uh, to the temple, return to Judaism, return to the law. And they begin questioning Paul as a teacher. Now there are many factors as to why after Paul left, these influences put pressure on these new believers. And in my opinion, it's actually not too hard to be empathetic to what's happening and, and to be able to try to understand why these people are having difficulty. But even saying that, I think that's a way that we can enter into the scripture here, that we can enter into the story, is trying to be empathetic with, with people who are struggling with what to do. But it doesn't change the, the truth of Paul's letter and the understanding of what Jesus did. In fact, in verse six, we see that Paul uses some really harsh language, right? He says, I'm, sh- I'm shocked Let's get there. I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from uh, from God, uh, who 
called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be good news. Look at how Eugene Peterson writes it in the message. He says, I can't believe how you waver, how easily you have turned traitor to him who called you by the grace of Christ by embracing an alternative message. Yikes, that's pretty tough stuff, right? Hard. Another commentator writes, in their turning to a different gospel, they are transferring their allegiance away from the one who wanted to deliver them from this present evil age. This is pretty intense stuff from the beginning. Now, there are certainly many layers to what's happening here in Galatians, and we're gonna, we're gonna look at just uh, three of these today. Um, and these layers of difficulty uh, uh, keep people in Paul's day from experiencing and expressing the full freedom that they have in Jesus or that they could have in Jesus. So this is the, I'm putting on my teaching hat and this is kind of hopeful, uh, hopefully very helpful for us to understand the context of what's happening and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So in this time, the first layer of this is that in this day and age, in Paul's world, idols were everywhere. And worship of these idols or different gods was compulsory. It wasn't optional. It was compulsory. It's very different from what we experience today where we have choice. Back then in their culture, it was compulsory. There was no escape from this reality. There was daily acknowledgement, weekly acknowledgement, monthly acknowledgement. There were annual, monthly and annual processions and festivals, uh, sacrifices that everyone joined in on. And anyone who didn't do that would have been noticed in their culture in their neighborhood but here's the twist the Jewish people were exempt from all of that Jewish communities which actually made up a significant uh, uh, group in most cities in the Roman world had been given explicit permission not to worship these other gods and the reasons for this and I love it were so incredibly practical for the Romans Rome had discovered that the Jewish people believed that, they, that their God was the one God, right? And that they would rather die than worship any other so-called God. In fact, they had a history of doing so. So, Rome struck a deal with the Jewish people. The Jewish people could pray, could pray to and worship their one God so long as they paid their taxes followed the rules, kept their people under control, and they had to pray for Rome, its empire, and its emperor. That was the deal. And as long as they did that, they were protected, and they could worship as they saw fit. What a great deal. So, part of the job of the Jewish religious leaders was to keep everyone in line, under the law, practicing the way that they should, so that they could maintain this unique relationship with Rome. This is a very basic layer of complexity for people who are finding freedom in Jesus Christ, <laughs> right? Many of these newly formed Jesus followers uh, uh, faced this difficulty because the question is, are they Jewish still, right? And what happens when the Jewish leaders begin to put pressure on those people who are coming to faith on Jesus and say, you are going to probably cause some problems. We need you to come back in line. Okay? <laughs> this, is, it's, you know, it, this is important because most of the Jewish religious authorities uh, you know, thought that these Jesus followers were out of line. Uh, and they wanted them to come back into the regular Jewish practice and law and religious life. So I'm going to say this 
so many times, but as, especially as we go through each layer of complexity here, this is the first one. Remember that the message of Galatians is that we are rescued from the things that enslave us by a God of unimaginable grace and unconditional love. This brings us to the second kind of layer of complication that we find here in Galatians, which I mentioned just a moment ago, is that Christianity was kind of a new form of Judaism, and there was a lot of confusion around this, right? To be a Jewish follower there was to claim a new version of normal Jewish practice, a new way of doing things. But it was also to claim safety under their umbrella with the Romans, right? So to do so was risky because it was unpopular both with the Jewish leaders and with the Roman communities. And this is where we see some of the pushback early on that we find here in Galatians that Paul is addressing at the beginning of the letter. Jewish religious leaders, and we know this from the story of scripture, but Jewish religious leaders by and large didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah and so couldn't really be covered under the umbrella of Judaism. And there was a lot of trying to figure this out. Plus, this, Jew, this Jesus guy, he kept walking around and making waves and challenging even the Jewish religious leaders. This is a problem. So if this newly forming Christianity isn't really Judaism, Paul must therefore be modifying the normal faith, modifying the way that we do things, even radically modifying, claiming that Jesus is actually the Messiah. So he's teaching illegal forms of worship that call Jesus the Savior and the Lord. And this was problematic in that it didn't keep the law and it, it, put, the, uh, it put the agreement with Romans in jeopardy. You kind of get a sense of maybe what some of these people are facing in the book of Galatians. Jewish people abandoning the faith, essentially, and believing in Jesus was a big problem for the Jewish leaders on a lot of levels. So they began to put pressure on the churches that Paul started and some within the church were having second thoughts, especially after he leaves, right? They're thinking, maybe the Jewish authorities are right. Maybe Paul got it wrong. Maybe Jesus really isn't the Messiah. Maybe Paul didn't actually get this message from the Lord. See how these questions begin to, to, to enter in? Remember, regular Jewish practice wasn't just a way of thinking or an ascension to, or an ascent to a belief. It was a way of life. It was their culture. It ordered everything that they did. It defined their daily rhythms, and it would have been difficult to give all of that up, to believe in Jesus, and then to have pressure on you to come back to your normal way of life. One of the lingering questions uh, that we can uh, that was that can this group, who we're not actually sure are Jewish, can they be covered under this, Jew, this protection agreement that we have with Rome? And we're really not sure what's happening in their hearts and minds here. If the Jewish leaders are having these kinds of questions about the Christians, you can bet the Romans are too. So, Jesus people, just come back to the temple and everything will be okay. So that's the second layer of complication. We have to keep in mind as we uh, are here, all of these layers of complication, one of the most powerful realities of Galatians is in its beauty and clarity of the gospel that we are rescued from the things that enslave us by a God of unimaginable grace and unconditional love. And I hope what you're making, these connections that you're making is that these layers of complication for them are, are like things that keep them enslaved. 
And the question, are, the question for us is, what might those things be in our life? So the, we see this, this last and third layer here in, uh, a bit later in the book, but it's certainly important here at the beginning of Galatians. And it's just two words, the Gentiles, <laughs> right? We understand that the book of Galatians is a powerful book in that the message of Jesus is not just for the Jewish people, but now for the Gentiles as well. And this is a major layer of complication in the book of Galatians. And where we see the power of the gospel made real for all humanity, it's incredible. In Galatians chapter 1, 15 through 16, it says, uh, but e-, this is Paul speaking, but even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. It then pleased him, that is God, to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. So, for the Jewish leaders, one of the most difficult things to deal with, uh, with Paul is that the invitation to faith in Jesus wasn't just a reframing of Judaism for Jewish people, but an invitation to non-Jewish people to join the family, (laughs) right? This is where we have so much hope and we recognize the grace and mercy of God, but it was a major issue in places like the book of Galatians. Gentiles were outsiders. Not only was Paul working uh, to see Jewish people believe in Jesus, but working to see non-Jewish people invited into this family of God. In essence, Paul was inviting a group of non-Jewish people to share in their special status as the historic people of the one true God, but through faith in Jesus. Paul was also inviting non-Jewish people through faith in Jesus to be considered part of the family, to be covered under the protection agreement with Rome. You see how complicated this gets? But it's very, very important. To put it mildly, this was never going to be greeted with enthusiasm back then. I'm greeting it with enthusiasm now because thank you, Jesus, I am saved, right? (laughs) But having non-Jewish people try to claim Jewish privileges, whether that is as the historic people of God or even in the cultural context of Jewish practice and protection from Rome, it's going to cause major problems, and it did. But it gets even worse, which we'll see as we go on. Because Paul says to the Jewish people and to the Gentile people beginning to believe in Jesus, you are welcome into the family of God. Oh, and by the way, you don't have to practice any of the Jewish, uh, the traditional Jewish practices that mark you as part of the historic family of God. We'll see this later in, uh, in the book of Galatians around the issue of circumcision. You are welcome as you are. God's grace is abundant. Come on in. Thank you, Jesus. But oh, did that cause problems in the the book of Galatians. Allowing non-Jewish people to pretend to be Jews while not keeping any of the different rules that they were supposed to keep was exactly the kind of thing that could cause problems with Rome. And it did. As we build all of these layers of complication, I hope what's ringing in your ears and your heart and your mind is the message of this letter, so powerful and so clear that we are rescued from the things that enslave us by a God of unimaginable grace and unconditional love. Amen? Paul understood where this message came from. He talks about it right from the beginning. (laughs) 
He, un- he understood that his calling, that the invitation to new life, this new identity, this new people, was through Jesus to all people, Gentiles included. This is profound stuff. We find in Acts 22, Paul telling the story about his encounter with Jesus. And I just want to make clear, as we hear even from the first verses of Galatians, where, why Paul is an apostle. Paul didn't have an encounter with Jesus, with Jesus, the nomadic rabbi walking from here to there. That's not who Paul had an encounter with. Paul met and was commissioned by a powerful, supernatural encounter with the resurrected Jesus. Look at Paul's own words. As I was on the road approaching Damascus about noon, a very bright light from heaven suddenly shone around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. And a voice replied, I am Jesus the Nazarene, the one you were persecuting. After I returned to Jerusalem, I was praying in the temple and fell into a trance and I saw a vision of Jesus saying to me, hurry, leave Jerusalem for the people here won't accept your testimony about me. And a few verses later, it says, but the Lord said to me, go for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Thank you for your obedience, Paul. So here's Paul, called by the risen Lord himself with a message for all people that goes something like we are rescued from the things that enslave us by a God of unimaginable grace and unconditional love. And we find in Romans 8, beginning in verse 3, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature, so God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us uh, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. This is the message of the book of Galatians. This is the message that Paul brings. And he's speaking it into a culture and a context where there are so many layers, complications, and, and pressures to turn away from the way of Jesus. Come this way, come that way. Jesus said to Paul that this is the message that you are to share. Please, Paul, tell everyone. It's for everyone, for all time. They're welcome to be car- become part of the family of God through faith. And Jesus, and the question that you and I have to answer today as we begin our journey through Galatians is, are we living as rescued people set free from our sin and the things that enslave us? Paul's authority is true. The gospel that he preaches is complete and for all people. Is there any area of your life where you feel like you may be bound up is there any part of your life still that needs God's rescue? Because it's free and available through faith in Jesus Christ. Isn't that good news? And I think one of the ways that we can relate in the book of Galatians is to see there are lots of things, lots of voices that try to pull us away. Is there any area where you might still be in need of God's unimaginable grace and unconditional love? That's a question that we have to think about. But then I want to take us outside of ourselves because as as we follow Paul's example here, being a messenger of this uh, gospel, I think this is is almost a rhetorical (laughs) question. But what about our communities? 
the places we live, the world in which we live? Is there any area of, of our world that needs to be, that's enslaved, that's bound up, that needs to experience this freedom in Christ? And I think, you know, all of us, the answer is yes, <laughs> everywhere. You know what? We are people of the freedom that we found in Jesus, and we are God's hands and feet, his voice, his face, in our communities. And he says, hey, you all sitting here, here's this message. Please go and tell everybody. (laughs) Do it in how you live. Do it in what you say. Do it in how you treat other people. Do it in the way that you work for justice in your society, and do it for love, love of people and love of God. That's compelling, isn't it? <laughs> it, starts where, it starts with our own heart and mind. And then we can be God's hands and feet in our communities. Where might you need a fresh experience of Christ's freedom in your life? Worship team, would you come back? Our world certainly needs to experience this new reality in Jesus. I love how it says we're, we're being set free, built into a people uh, to make a difference in this world. One commentator I read this week wrote this, this world has no claim on us, no dominion over us. Its hopelessness is not our hopelessness, its corruption is not our corruption, and its darkness is not our darkness. Amen? In Galatians chapter three, it says this, for you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ, and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus, and now you belong to Christ, and you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. The promise, God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Oh, Powerful. We are rescued from the things that enslave us by a God of unimaginable grace and unconditional love. Paul's saying, don't go back to the old way of life. Live as people rescued by Christ, by Jesus, living in the new present reality that he offers to all.